Hi everyone, this is Corina and Angel. Welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Gloria Gonzalez-Fuster, research professor at the Freie Universität Brussels Faculty of Law and Criminology, co-director of the Law, Science, Technology and Society Research Group, a member of the Brussels Privacy Hub, and one of the keynote speakers at the Anthropology and Technology Conference happening in Bristol, UK on the 3rd of October 2019. We talked to Gloria about privacy and data protection law and the need for interdisciplinarity to thoroughly explore this space, the historical perspective on the contestation of data usage, the agency of the normal human of engaging with GDPR law, the age of consent, corporate transparency and the many challenges of artificial intelligence. Lastly, she shares her thoughts on the theme she will be speaking to at the Anthropology and Technology Conference, Fundamental Rights of Expression and the Individuals Affected, and her question to the social scientists in the room. Who are the normal humans? How can we imagine them and give them rights in a meaningful way? We hope you enjoy it. Hi friends, we are here today with Gloria Gonzalez-Fuster. Hi Gloria! Hello, hi. Uh, Gloria, I'm very excited to have you here on the podcast today. Um, as you will be one of the keynote speakers of, of the Anthropology and Technology Conference happening in Bristol in October. So um, I can't wait to, to share with our listeners your, your background, but also speak a little bit to the topic that you will be talking to at the conference. So maybe before we go into that, you can uh, tell me uh, and our listeners a little bit more about you. So indeed, I'm Gloria Gonzalez-Fuster. I'm a research professor working at the Free University of Brussels, the DUB, so that's in Brussels, in Belgium. And I'm a legal scholar. So I'm working in the Faculty of Law, but I'm working at uh, an interdisciplinary research group, mm-hmm. which is called the Law, Science, Technology and Society. So basically we are looking to anything that relates to law and technology and science and society, but basically it's law and technology. And I'm looking into all these issues from a legal perspective, but really with this interdisciplinary uh, state of, of mind. Most of the time, personally, I'm really focusing on privacy, data protection issues, mm-hmm. and most of the time, through a European perspective, so focusing on European law. Mm-hmm. But of course, because these issues, it's, it's impossible to just focus on European law because everything is global and everything is interrelated. But that's uh, my, my main focus. And I have actually, uh, so it's not only that I'm doing interdisciplinary research, but before I studied law, I studied uh, actually communication sciences, and I studied linguistics a little bit. So I, I really like to have this broader perspective into, into the issues that we are studying. So not, not just focusing on law, but I really think that we have to, as legal scholars, we have to, to think more broadly and, and thinking also to other disciplines. Yeah. How did you end up on this topic of interest? Uh, it was a series of coincidences. So first I started communication sciences, and it was a long, long time ago. Because it was really a long, long time ago. And it was at the moment where the, like, the internet was appearing in, in, in life, and for the Faculty of Communication Sciences, for all media experts, that was really something that was hugely important. How do we make sense of this, uh, the advent of the Internet? Because we have been studying media and technology and society and, and how we communicate, but then 
of course, with the internet, everything changes. So as we started thinking about this, we had some classes about uh, law, and basically, from a communication perspective, it's all about freedom of expression, and the idea that freedom of expression is important, but there seems to be some limits, which is called privacy. Mm-hmm. And I started to think a, a little bit uh, about this, and, and, and I really as, as felt I had this really impression that it was some people important, that, it, that we had to understand what happened with our rights, our normal rights, when we, we transpose these realities into, into the internet. Then I started law, and at some point it, it just made sense that that, that was the, like the interface mm-hmm. in law and the, the things that I had been exploring and discussing through the communication. Mm-hmm. And your interest in multidisciplinarity, or where, where did that come from? It's also a, maybe a natural conse- um, a natural consequence of, of, of this progression that you've talked to? Perhaps I have an inclination for this because I have uh, been reading different things, but I think for specifically when you're dealing with data protection law and data issues in general, it's, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. That we cannot just think about, about law without talking with computer scientists, without talking with, with economists, without talking with, with other, other people. It, it's a sort of strange uh, field of law, and, and even from a legal perspective, we have to interact with other little words of, of law, legal scholars, we are also very much divided. We have criminal law, we have uh, public international law, and, and we have to move around all these little disciplines and mm-hmm. all these different approaches because data is really moving, crossing all the borders. It's yeah. everywhere, so you, you really have to follow. If you really take this subject seriously, you have to be interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary and, and whatever you, you, you can be to, to really understand what it has been. And um, what what will be within this kind of big sphere of, of this topic of interest that you have? What would you thinking about zooming in um, for the conference in October? So the conference in, in October for me it's, it's an interesting experience because I was invited there very very kindly and it seems to be about merging to bringing together two different worlds, which mm-hmm. is the world of uh, technology and, and anthropology. Yeah. And none of these worlds is my world. So <laughs> this is interesting. So I, I, Come in as a lawyer and as a, uh, yes, uh, somehow unrelated, but I think um, I think there are some connections between my, my approach and, and what I seem to, to understand from the organizers. And really, uh, so in the way in which I study data protection law and I approach privacy and data protection law, one of the, my main uh, focuses is uh, fundamental rights. And when I think about fundamental rights, I think about individual rights and, and these individuals that are somehow, uh, yes, being affected by data processing and, and they have rights. So one of the questions is, who are these people? Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, something that, from an anthropologist perspective, has to be an important question. How do we try to think about who are these people that we are trying to protect, so they're not trying to protect this? Whoever they are, uh, how do we imagine, can we imagine them, how can we study them, and then eventually how can we protect them better, or how can we give them rights in a meaningful way? So that's, for me, uh, uh, basically I just think I will transfer my questions, so hopefully somebody will, will uh, answer some of the, of the questions that I have. Yeah, and, and how do you start approaching this topic? Um, who, who decides the, the, the boundaries of that protection and what protection actually is in, in the context of technology? From a legal perspective, there has been an evolution, and I think that's something that some people don't really I don't know, uh, not everybody is familiar with this because now, mm-hmm. at least in Europe, we tend to be more familiar with the idea of data protection law and this is GDPR, general yeah. data protection law. There are some laws. 
But actually, um, like my PhD was basically about the history of all this, mm-hmm. and it's really something that comes from the 60s, and then yeah. it's, it's, there, are, there are laws that, that are quite old in a way, so they, they're not new, 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 and so there, there are many things that we are not discussing in relation to, to AI, to artificial intelligence, as if this was science fiction, but the, the basic questions, we already dealt with these questions in the 60s and the 70s, and we have been trying to develop. And the basic questions are very much about democracy and, uh, and about the, the, the role of the state and the role of individuals. And then the question indeed, how do we imagine those individuals in relation to the state? Mm-hmm. From a legal perspective, uh, it's a it's, uh, it's question of what is important, what do we protect? I think we, from my point of view, basically what we protect with data protection and privacy is freedom. So our freedom to, to do whatever we want uh, in some way. But really, it's uh, who decides this, uh, who decides whether mm-hmm. we, we put them in freedom or on the dignity of the person, yeah. on the autonomy of the person. This is who decides, well, politicians decide, uh, society decides, companies now decide, uh, technologies decide. It's, it's a complex picture. I was wondering if you could tell me more about, you know, like this information and this data that has always been, right, circling around. We've been producing data and information forever. Um, yes. And, and you were mentioning your historical perspective, and I, and I wonder, before technology, what were those containers where our data was being traveled through, and how was protection of that data was conceptualized in the past, before technology? Well, is, uh, there, is there any the kind of universe that you could maybe parallel the current universe of technology and data with, like social media, artificial intelligence... Yes. So before this reality, I think mm-hmm. what's interesting, so there are many things that are interesting, but it was already a contested uh, field. So mm-hmm. it, it was, I think, uh, I was just reading uh, yesterday something about the history of photography. Yeah. And, and actually, when you look at any of these technologies, photography, television, cinema, mm-hmm. whatever, there has been some contestation between those who are developing the technology and, and making money out of it. Yeah. And, and individuals, as such. Yes. And, and with photography, it's quite fascinating that uh, people were just taking photographs of other people and, and making money out of this and say, well, that's all right. And, and uh-huh. somebody say, well, yes, there are some limits to this. And, and you kind of just, I, in this case, I refuse. And it's not like a natural thing that is given to you, that everybody agrees that you, you have the right. You have to fight uh, to go to court and, and then get some laws and, and, and really yeah, fight for, for this kind of recognition. It, there's a contestation with every, every technology that goes. So it has been always a bit of a struggle. Uh, this, this relation between people collecting information and, and the individuals are set and then, yes, it, for some individuals it's more difficult and for some individuals it's more important to have those rights, uh, some, some control about what is happening to their information, so that's also an, an interesting uh, history. Uh, we, we can, I think, learn a lot also from the historical perspective on, with all these surveillance technologies or information technologies. And some of these, um, so I was, I was thinking as you were talking, because I was reading also yesterday an article that, um, that talked about China's models of surveillance technology. And uh, particularly now, in the, I watched this episode of, uh, what is it, the, that show on Netflix that, that talks about technology, you know, like the, what's the name? No, the Black Mirror. Yes, yes. Black <laughs> so Black Mirror has an episode that is exactly the model that China is uh, it's having right now, you know, where you are getting, based on the data that they gather around you, you are given certain rate, ratings that regulate access to things in, in society. So it's, it's, it's actually a tool of institutionalizing the individual into the governing space. 
So I wonder, because also um, I am myself, I know very little of the practice of democracy and, and of judging, you know, the tools and the laws that, that, that kind of from the perspective of the government try to define what my freedom is of expression, what my boundaries are, try to protect me. So I, I was wondering in, in, in this space, and maybe, maybe more people are like me, for those that, that, that do not have that knowledge or... Um, how, how can, where can we go? What, what, what spaces do you have to kind of explore more of this? It's a, it's a challenging question. I, I don't know, we have had recently like more discussions about the relation between privacy, data protection and democracy because like politicians realize that uh, we can indeed manipulate people and influence mm -hmm. and, and, and win and lose uh, elections because of this persuasion to, to Facebook and all this uh, manipulation yeah. with the Cambridge Analytica scandal. I think that was sort of a clear example. There's a relation between uh, manipulation of society and, and getting data and, and this behavioral targeting. But more generally, it, it's such a, such a broad uh, subject that it, it's really... I think what is important to understand is, I think, the Chinese example, because it's a bit distant and a bit exotic, yeah. it's, it's more clear, perhaps it's easier for us to, to like understand, but it's... It has been happening uh, in our countries, in the United States, in everywhere. This, this scoring of people, like in, in, in mm -hmm. United States, credit scoring system, it's a century, for a century has been there. You do things and you are bad, and now with artificial intelligence, that's the, the thing. Uh, you are com constantly classified in a way that, mm -hmm. and for me, that the key point always is to remember that it perhaps, most probably, doesn't matter to you at all, and it's not an issue for you. But to remember that perhaps for somebody it is an issue, and, and for, for somebody it can be really a question of birth and, and life, and, and, and having access to some uh, drugs, and having access to, to some welfare entitlement, yeah. whatever. So, so there are some special vulnerable uh, groups that, that, that can be really, for them it's really important, and that I think it really is very much to democracy and, and the way in which we unite societies. And then there's also, of course, the question of freedom of expression and how we have access to the media. I'm afraid there are so many issues there that it's difficult to, to suggest one, one specific question. Yeah, it's really about thinking, I think all our rights are, are, are somehow affected by, by current platformization or whatever of, of society in this constant uh, data processing. Yeah, I, 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 I think I've, I phrased my, my question very poorly because I'm also kind of struggling to, to, um, to synthesize what, what exactly do I want to ask. And I think in this particular case, looking at the case of the GDPR, right, the GDPR law, yeah. and, the, um, and now after GDPR you are entering websites and you're getting this long legal text uh, that you have to read and these options that you have to click through. And I wonder, like... People seem to be in this situation. The one, I mean, how much agency do you really have in in um, in understanding what it is that that you have to do, or understanding the consequences of, of, of going into a direction or another? So it feels like for me, but and again, maybe it's a little bit of a um, um, ignorant question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. It just seems like people and normal citizens are are the ones that that, that know the least, and then you have this these big forces that come from either the government space or the commercial space that are that are kind of trying to make sense together these new rules around um, about data and and the citizen or the person that it's kind of kind of taken out of that context um, 
and maybe that's what was my question kind of speaking to because when we are talking about a democratic space and freedom of expression and the internet having this huge promise of giving you freedom of expression and maybe the maybe the lack of that agency becomes more visible to me as a simple citizen you know but i think that's a very important point is how do we we imagine the simple citizen who is the simple mm. citizen and yeah. then, then if we want to protect them or we want to empower them or yeah we yeah exactly and how do we do this and i think that the problem now with the when you mm. go to the website and you have this privacy policy yeah, that make yeah. sense, i think we're we like giving too much uh, possibilities to, to the big companies yeah. so they decide how this so i think one, uh, so the, now the, the GDPR has been in place for one year. I think all these privacy policies that mm. are so impossible to understand are not compliant with the GDPR. I think slowly we will get to an improvement of the situation where actually it should make sense to you and you should be yeah. confident to understand what is happening. But this is why we need to, to understand what people understand and, yeah. and how much knowledge there should be given and, and, and in which way. And now it's really in the hands of companies if they want to make an effort to see, to verify whether somebody has understood something yes or no. But it's really lawmakers to, to, to try to, to really have this clear vision of what kind of information do we want to give. Because we, we have had similar discussions with consumer protection. Mm. When you think about consumers, and then I think from the consumer perspective, we want always more and more information because we want to do meaningful choices and we understand that we are not constantly making uh, smart choices, sometimes we just buy whatever, but sometimes we feel like, ah, today I want to get this uh, organic thing, or I want this trade, whatever, I want to know where this comes from, yeah. I want to, we are the same person, we are not more stupid one on Sunday than on Monday, but yeah. we have different relationships, so it, it has, to, we have to think about which kind of, of relation we want to have with these services that are getting our data, and, and then we can indeed have agency, and, 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 and but it, it's really, I think the starting point is that we understand what people understand and what people want, and we make an effort to actually have mm. a, a meaningful negotiation because it's, sometimes people think data protection is really about protecting people's data and saying, no, no, I don't want to give my data, but, but I really think it's about this. It's about putting yeah, you yeah. in a position where you can't decide and say, well, I want to use this, in, 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 and I give this data, but this data I want to understand how it's processed and, and what are the consequences, and then we, we, can, yes, we can develop technologies that, that really bring there are good things for democracy and not, not a threat. So it, it, it's an important question that I think, again, has no answer. How do we envisage this uh, normal citizen and, and what we expect from them? It's not very clear. Yeah, exactly. And I think the topic of agency is so important, right? Because you, you, you don't want to put them somewhere and say, well, you have to be protected and we're going to figure out how to protect you. Um, I think it, yes. it's it's really really important to to start thinking deeper into what that agency is and and how how that agency manifests itself. And I, I wanted to ask you how is this happening right now you know, with law, for example? How how is the space of exploring the simple citizen or the normal citizen and their agency space? How how does it happen? What are the mechanisms by which this happens? In data protection law, I think we are very, very uh, just starting to, to mm. think about this. We, we are, with the GDPR, people really focus a lot on this compliance and how can mm. I, as a company, comply yeah. with the GDPR and then everything is fine. And I've been personally working on this transparency requirement for the information obligations. And, and as a consequence, I've read many privacy policies online and, and I've like, spent one month of my life reading privacy policies and, and I, I, I did not get completely crazy, but almost, because it's a, <laughs> really think it's a joke and, and mm. there are mistakes. And, and so I think uh, this self-protection law as such cannot 
to this on its own. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we have all this knowledge of consumer protection law, and, and then people really understand that we have, sometimes we have to be a bit paternalistic, sometimes less. It, it, it depends. Law doesn't have a, a, an answer on this, and, and the, the proof that we don't have an answer, and we are really like only at the start of thinking about it, for instance, the way in which we approach children. Mm. There's a lot of controversy. Uh, how, how do we, this discussion about the, at, at which age can children consent by themselves to some data processing practices, and there's mm. a lot of disagreement. And all these uh, ideas of, yes, what, when are you old enough to understand what is happening, to decide? Is it empowering to say yes? Is it, is it empowering? We don't have an, an agreement. But indeed, I think we don't have an agreement because we we are not uh, focusing in, enough on this question. That it's a dialogue, it's a, it's a negotiation that you have to be just trying to understand and explain, and then you can you can decide, even even with children. So it's, um, mm. it's do you do you go also farther into into what that data is used for from the company side, right? Because um, this kind of protection and, and, and increasing of agencies of people knowing what happens and having a, um, uh, something to say about their data is one, but then the type of products that companies develop and what they do with that data and is that ethical or good or bad or not, is that is that also covered underneath this space or that's a, that's a separate one? Well, it has to be uh, connected. In practice, it's not connected. And for me, the, the most revealing experience was uh, I was uh, trying to understand what Spotify, the yeah. company, uh, Spotify was doing with our data. Spotify collects a lot of uh, data. Mm. So when you, you have all these privacy policies yeah. and you yeah. get all the notices, many pages, and, and you are told something, and then you really have no clue what is happening. Mm. Uh, like, uh, I have tried, but it really, I think as, a, as an individual, it's very difficult that you will get a picture of what is happening. Then if you forget about this and you go to the... Spotify has some marketing pages where they, they sell their, their marketing um, tools mm. to the companies who want to target people. And then it's so clearly explained with graphics and, and everything. We take this information, we put places in, in groups, we know when people are running, we know when people are going to the supermarket, we know when people are focusing, we can uh, then target with these kind of things when they go. Mm. And it, it's really explained in a clear way because it, they want the, those companies to understand and they, they really want to make it clear. So indeed, I only understood what Spotify was doing more or less when I took that perspective and, and then you don't go to data protection. But ideally, we should all get the full picture. So, so that's, uh, if transparency was real transparency, we should get this full picture. What now people are doing in, in the context of data protection, and I think it really it has some uh, potential to, to deliver something, is uh, making more use of our data protection rights. Mm. So the first thing about data protection is it's not only a passive thing that you expect to receive some information, but you have some rights. That actually you, so you can always go to the company and say, well, I want to access to my data, I want access to the logic, uh, that it has used to take decisions about me, I want, uh, yes, you can, you can have a series of rights, and by making use of those rights, you can try to explore really what is happening. And it's a frustrating exercise, because most of the time they don't tell you, mm. but the people are really pushing this as far as they can to try to get to more real transparency and to try to understand what, what is happening. But we have to go there and we have to contrast what information we get with what is really really happening. Yeah, and that is early stage you were mentioning, right? Sorry? Is it is it is that in development? Is there um, a particular yes. part of law that is kind of focused on the connection between the two? Uh, but the law has this sort of naive idea that uh, when you ask the question, something yeah. should tell you. Yeah. So now it's really 
putting this into practice. And, and luckily, we have individuals, we have researchers, we have an, also now NGOs and, and yeah. society making use of this, the tools to, to try to, to yes, make this function, or at least prove that it doesn't function, and then we have to impose more obligations on, on companies. Yeah. But yeah, and how are the companies responding to this? In, what happens there? Individuals and organizations really have to push them, and, and uh, it's... Uh, we know that also there is this global discussion that most of the companies are not European companies. They tend to see this GDPR crazy thing as a European uh, mm. uh, uh, problem that uh, perhaps could be raised at some point. And, and now with the GDPR, it has many, many weaknesses, but one of the things is it's really making clear that it applies to those companies, at least when they target the European market. So there are some things that have been clarified, and I think we should really be optimistic still that at some point compliance will improve if we if more pressure is put on them, but I think most of the companies are not really, not really, yeah, not really uh, that that uh, constructive yet. And how have people responded to this GDPR um, topic? Uh, is this? I mean, I, I would say from my own personal experience that on one side I found it really. Uh, really good to to see something happening in that space from from the law perspective, but then from the second side, I just find the the text and the the tool itself is very it's not good enough to make me understand what it is that I'm consenting to. What happens if I say no? So to be to tell the, tell the truth, I can, I don't know how people have reacted. I really I didn't uh, carry out any survey. I, I don't know. I think. For us, for data protection experts, it's, it's a good thing. It becomes mm. more visible, becomes more popular. Even if more people hate it, and more people are annoyed by the yeah. by the pop-ups and, and everything. But still, it's always a good thing that it's, that people are aware that something is happening. And uh, I think it really it will be a good thing in the end, and, and it's a good thing that uh, more individuals are really trying to, to use their rights and especially NGOs and organizations, this is something that was really important from a GDPR perspective to give more rights and possibilities to NGOs. So they, they will be the ones that are really trying to make sure that data protection is a reality. We also have these data protection authorities in, in Europe, mm -hmm. so special commissions dealing with data protection. And they can be useful, especially, again, if some pressure is put on them. So it, it's a sort of... Um, it's, it's a puzzle, and it's, a, it's a, where you have all the. Everybody has to put the pressure on, on, on everybody, and then it will work. I think it. I don't know how people have reacted, but eventually it will be better. So I'm still optimistic to the GDPR. Yeah, and and what about the space of artificial intelligence? Are there some additional challenges that artificial intelligence technologies bring to this space? Yes, yes. That's uh, now the, the next question, of course, is. Uh, is, it, is this GDPR enough? Will it be, ever be enough to cover of the, of the challenges of artificial intelligence? And I would say probably not, because they're, they're very artificial intelligence. If we understand it as a broad notion and, and it covers so many aspects of our lives, there are many, many issues. And again, it's all about trying to cover all this, the, the different uh, individual rights that we have. We have not mentioned, for instance, discrimination, and, and mm. there are many bias and discrimination in relation to artificial intelligence. The GDPR and data protection law can do something about this, but probably not everything. So we, we probably we should come up with new reflections about how the law can, can do something in, in relation to artificial intelligence. So it's, it's not the end of the story, and it's not covering everything. And um, where would you see social scientists contributing to this space? 
Well, uh, I think that they have really to give us a uh, more uh, a, a, a better picture of what individuals need and mm -hmm. what how they, they react. I think really from from my perspective, I was mentioned at the beginning. I'm working on data protection, law, privacy law from this interdisciplinary perspective, and we often work with computer scientists. Yeah. Uh, and I don't. I have some friends who are computer scientists, so I don't want to be uh, too negative, but they tend to be somehow arrogant sometimes in, when you talk about technology. You know, they, they are the ones, if they say, well, we, we know how data works, we know how the algorithms work, we, we know everything, as if that was the end of the story. Then uh, if, if you try to say, well, maybe reality is more complex, then some people, like some policymakers, can say, well, yes, reality is more complex, so perhaps bring in some economists to try to understand how the... Mm. What the price that the individuals are, I think we are, we are covering only uh, little aspects of society. There, is, there are so many things that, that have to be still integrated if we want to have laws that are really working for everybody and that, that really makes sense. We, we, we cannot just stick to, to uh, few, uh, some limited uh, approaches. We now have this also this plan to, to also bring in the ethics, and, and it's all about ethics and, and also what does it mean and, and is, is it really as, as uh, fair and as universal as, as we think. There are many questions there, so it's really, it's really all about bringing more perspective uh, and more ideas into, into the conversation, really focusing also on, 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 uh, on individuals and, and, and moving beyond the perspective of what we call the data controllers, so the companies and the institutions that we, know, we are more familiar with, but we, we know less about yes, the, the people out there. I think that, that would, would be the, the main interest. Yeah, and, and coming back to the topic of the conference in October, do you have any um, any particular expectations in mind? Any 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 kind of thoughts that you want to share with those from our listeners that are participating or considering to come? It has to be an interesting discussion. I've been uh, throughout these years to, to many conferences with technologies, and, and uh, actually I always like to, to tell this little story, but I think because it really was important for me uh, that it's uh, one of these conferences I, I met uh, the, one of the engineers, a German woman who had developed this uh, the body scanner, mm -hmm. you know the body scanner that we have at the airport, but mm -hmm. at the beginning this body scanner will give you like a a naked picture of, of people passing, and then they were adapted, so you don't really see the naked picture, you just see like a, a little uh, image, but no longer the naked picture. And it was really interesting to, to hear this woman talk with a technologist, as an engineer, because she said she was really like uh, disappointed, because for many years she had been working on this uh, technology, without actually seeing that there was any problem at all with uh, a, a, a machine giving a, a picture of a, a, a a, a naked person, because for yeah. her it was not a problem at all that, no. this, that her body, naked body was seen, because yeah. she was very confident with her, and, and, and she was really like saying, well, at some point it went out, and I was so proud that this machine was working, and people started saying, no, no, this problem, this problem, this problem. and she was, she was disappointed that she had not thought about this mm -hmm. before, and she was mean as a mad person, yeah. and why did you don't think about it, because you're just close in, in, your, in your reality, and you should go, and perhaps, and just realize there are different perspectives, different people with different uh, sensibilities. And, and that's, I think that's the, the kind of conferences that, that can help yes, having this dialogue and say, well, yes, you are developing an interesting technology, but it will be a, a failure if you don't have this kind of thought before. So avoid the pain in, uh, after three years, just have the discussion before. That's uh, my main message. 
That's 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 great. Um, well, well, Gloria, um, I think it was a it was a pleasure having you with us today. And for those of, the, of our listeners that want to read more into your work, um, I will put some links below in this podcast. And um, yeah, I hope to hope to see you uh, in October in Bristol. Yes, hope to see you too. And yes, thank you for the interview. See you. Thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speaker's work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.